Buckle up, this is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some stuff this week. I watched some shows this week. We're doing a double. Marvel and Star Wars, some of the biggest franchises on the face of the planet, are going animated and they are taking us down some different paths for these universes that we've never been down before. This Star Wars is getting a whole anime makeover with all of these uh, acclaimed anime artists all in their own direction. Marvel is doing this thought plug and play experiment with all of their uh, narrative to go to a certain point in time and go, but. If one thing changed, what would what would happen? So we're going to be looking at these two things that this one company is putting out today. The big thing being the word anthology also, yes. which you don't see that much these days with nine seasons in a serialized format. All these episodes are completely different things. Under 30 minutes uh, and they're right. all they're all different. So the, it's it's. Uh, and Star Wars in particular, there are all different visions entirely. I mean, that is the, the the title, and it's such a perfect title for what they're doing because it really each one has its own particular flavor. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, what if is trying to put the this, same creators? Yeah, yes, it's it's a lot of the same creators. It's all the same voice cast that do all the regular live action characters. Right. It also all fits with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So very different things, but similar onus and reasons for for making them yeah and they come out around the same time you know it's pretty obvious that they're making this decision okay we got this animated experiment here this will be really progressive content for what <laughs> what we usually do with these brands um and i i'm all for it i've been looking at what's been happening generally in cinema with the rebrand reboots restarts been happening the last 20 years and so much of it i wish had been uh, an exploration and experiment into animation i'm i'm just so excited that star wars in yeah. particular is looking in that direction and has embraced this whole other culture and these artists that really deserve a shot to dip their toes in something incredible and then that they're having the wherewithal to be as you know heady and cool with the the marvel uh, universe that they are mm -hmm. to go back to these very poignant decisions in time and skew it just a little bit and follow that out to a point and see what that would change, uh, how those reverberations are massive. Um, mm -hmm. It's a it's a wonderful thought experiment. And it's done in a way where, you know, certainly adults can enjoy it, but kids can enjoy it and follow it. And it connects with everything that they're recognizing and understanding as the Marvel brand. And of course, my God, it's based on something, which how in the world <laughs> could any of this be based on anything? Should we start with the what it's based on or start talking about the show and what they did with it? What would you like to do? Well, one one point real quick is, yeah, Disney releases so much content that we have to pick and choose which ones we are doing. Um, they have something coming out. I mean, it seems like on a every month by monthly <laughs> basis uh, 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 by weekly basis it feels like every two weeks something right. something on some brand that uh, oh yeah that's a disney related thing uh, that's disney there they are again um this is one that jumped out at us as as storytellers uh, and creatives that was really interesting how they're playing with these universes and the concepts that they're really applying and get to the root of some of the storytelling. And I, I, I just wanted to make that point that right. that's, that's why we're doing this one. And maybe like we didn't do a Shang-Chi, uh, you know, like we, we just Winter have to Soldier, make, Black right. Widow, any <laughs> so things. much. Yeah. So yeah. Wanted yeah, to get that out of the point. way is that, that that there's so much Disney content that this one really jumped out at us as storytellers. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. Would you like to go into the kind of what the, the old comics were or we could talk about the show? 
Yeah, I mean, we, I, I didn't know it was based that the what if thing, the old comics, I had no perception of that at all, where this like experiment comes from. Right. Uh, um, so the fact that there's any precedent on the Marvel side at all, it's shocking to me, because <laughs> as far as I know, Visions is, to, this is just a new idea, right? <laughs> well, vi- no, well, so Visions oh, also has, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but, so yeah. So I would hearken our listeners to check out our old Justice League episode that we did, which didn't Mm. get a ton of play, but I think it's really good. I loved it. As we go into the origins of more so modern superheroes and this guy, Gardner Fox, who we talked about, he gave a reboot of Flash in the Silver Age of comics, Flash of Two Worlds. And this is where he really brings in the multiverse as a concept in Mm -hmm, comics. mm -hmm. This was in 1961 which is the same year the very first Fantastic Four came out. So I think we had mentioned, but it's like there he's already doing a reboot of a, a multiverse thing yeah. when Stan Lee is just coming out yeah. with his first yeah. big superhero deal. Because the Avengers themselves didn't debut until 63. The multiverse moment for the Avengers was in 71. Okay. So Yeah, it's interesting that it starts out on the other side and now it flips and then mm-hmm. it and now we're just doing it in, in a different medium <laughs> 40 <laughs> right. years later. Well, and really what they're pulling from. So in between those moments of when DC has their multiverse idea of we have a bunch of different flashes and Batmans and whatnot and Marvel saying, oh, yeah, we can do that, too. In 1977, there was a comic series that was a series and then just became random standalone issues or tacked on throughout in other issues was called What If? And so that's. Mm exactly what they're pulling from. And so what if number one, which debuted in 77 is what if Spider-Man joined the fantastic four and what would, what would happen from that? So the first series also, what they do with the show is feature the watcher as the narrator. I loved it. Jeffrey Wright is the, as the watcher is a, is a wonderful idea. And it gives us this wonderful curation throughout the episodes that ties it all together. He explains it very eloquently in the moment that you're dropped in. Uh, it's almost like a dream. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lovely uh, element to it. So that directly comes from the comics. Beautiful. What if volume four is more of what they do like with what Star Wars Visions was to a certain degree. So it's more about continuities based on alternative time and place. Hmm. So it's like Captain America battling the White Skull during the Civil War. Wolverine Whoa, is yes, cool. Wolverine is fighting mobsters in 1920s Chicago. There's a yes. yeah, there's a Soviet version of the Fantastic Four, that kind of Whoa. playing around with it. That's but there was like That's I said, there cool. was 13 series in this in this what if, which gets very confusing very quick when you're saying, well, how in the world is all this going to make any sense? So there is a book, the official handbook for the Marvel Universe, Alternate Universes, started in 1982 because the way that Marvel says, like, if if you're familiar with multiverse, we all should be now to a certain degree. What have they done Uh, to us? (laughs) (laughs) So Marvel then has this Rolodex of all the different universes that they've created, of all these different alternating realities of still similar characters or what could have happened or what could have changed. Right. Technically, the ones in the comics are Earth 616. There was another then comic imprint called Ultimate Marvel, kind of like their reboot, which was a reinvention of the Marvel universe for the modern age. And yes. that's Earth 1610. And that's where that starts with Ultimate Spider-Man in the year 2000. And that's home to 
the Miles Morales version of Spider-Man. Cool. So that's where he's in. There's Earth 92131, which is the animated series of Spider-Man and X-Men of the 90s. Yeah. There's all different kinds of ones. I thought it was crazy that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a version of the multiverse. So that is Earth 199999. Which I didn't, it, it seems crazy to me that they, they have gotten so involved in everything that, oh no, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just a part it's of the multiverse. It's gone plaid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just its own thing, but it all still ties in. So the Marvel Cinematic Universe could have things from any of these other fit into it, which is what happens. The Cinematic Universe came aware of October 1st, <laughs> 2021. <Basically. laughs> Well, so for example, some other stuff that gets added in, if you saw Into the Spider-Verse, there's Peter Porker, which is Spider-Ham. So that was uh, part <laughs> of this other series that they were making fun of the What If series called What The, and that was from 88 to 93, and it was a parody oh, series. Oh, good, good, good. And so Spider-Ham appears, and and even in the comic book, there's fake advertisements making fun of, they're not. there's nothing real about any of these comics, but that is oh, Earth 8311, which involves various anthropomorphic animal parodies. That's its own Marvel universe. Jeez, um, this is lovely. One of the ones that wasn't in the what if, but then is an episode that they pull from is Earth 2149, which was a whole offshoot series called Marvel Zombies. Whoa. And it takes the premise of an outbreak of a virus turning all the superheroes into zombies. Yeah. So they pull that. Uh, the one that I watched first for what if was uh-huh. the uh, it was purporting that a serial killer picks off the Avengers one by one in the midst of their assembling for the first time. So mm-hmm. it takes you right into the narrative of all of their origin stories and they all, they all die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, yeah. and, and, and that one grabbed me immediately. It was the first one I went, wow, I want to watch that right now. Um, so I, it's- <laughs> I believe that one was not based on anything specific, or at least for the twist of who's doing it and whatnot, with Furious. It was based on, there was a comic that came out as the Avengers was coming out that wasn't, wasn't very popular. People mm-hmm. didn't know about it as much. I think it was something like Fury's Big Week, or it was when, because you see him in the you know end credit sequence of the Edward Norton Hulk and yeah. Iron Man 2, where he's actually assembling this Avengers team. So right. it's kind of recounting that story. So they pulled that from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That That's the whole thing. Once you get into this, there's like a billion things. This has all been going on since the 60s. It's just now that it's being committed to cinema. Mm-hmm. But I do know they were basing it off of the comic that came out relating to Samuel L. Jackson's version of Nick Fury putting together this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like, and they put out stuff all the time and we, you know, we go, okay, well, no, well, maybe we look at what there is, but this is so interesting from story perspective mm-hmm. to uh, feel that the company is this, is feeling this confident and bold now, uh, finally to be able to like bring this to the screen. It's one thing yeah. to let writers go down paths and put out a comic book and those things, but it's another thing to put out, an animated uh, series show. I mean, I think they're, they've already announced a season two, so it, right. they're well underway. I'm sure that's probably already done. Uh, <laughs> well, so here's, uh, and I'm not, yeah. I'm probably not joking. <laughs> here's how um, some of that goes in terms of them putting it together. So the main person who's the writer for the bulk of the episodes is AC Bradley. There's also, of course, because it's a, a family of people <laughs> making these mm-hmm. Marvel things. Brian Andrews acted mostly as the director. Brad Winderbaum is the EP. 
AC Bradley, though, she was chosen as the head writer after unsuccessfully pitching. She pitched as a writer for hmm. Captain Marvel, the movie. And she joined onto this project in 2018. She had also pitched some ideas that were then matched with planned film concepts that they had. So they were like, oh, she's she knows exactly what we yeah, want to do. Okay. And they said, do you want to do this thing? So what they did was this this cadre of people, some other people I didn't mention as well, but they came up with 30 potential episodes to sentence things up to any larger yeah. amount of material putting together to present though there are some parameters they had to be based on things people had already seen so like the new spider-man movie they couldn't base it off of what was going on there or any property that hasn't come out yet the eternals yeah Yeah. and other story ideas that they were having like i said 2018 they wanted to do maybe a professor hulk thing but that was big in endgame where he can control his hulk right right, or older steve rogers they had an idea but then that was also being done in that movie right And then other stuff, because Jane Foster becoming Thor is in one of those what if comics. They wanted to do that, but then that was planned for Thor Love and Thunder, the newest Thor one coming out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Loki being a hero is in there's a whole Loki show. (laughs) So they're just like (laughs) chopping things off of like, well, we're already doing that. We're already doing that. One of these 30 episodes that they pitched. They said, oh, that's half the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we can't do that at all. And then some of the other interesting stuff that was scrapped, because they really, besides that, let them go with whatever they thought would work, because it's alternate universes. It doesn't really matter <laughs> what they're doing with this, except for the things that they know they want to tie in. So they did have one, and this does happen in the Spider-Man comics, where he turns into a real spider like this creepy, yeah. massive human spider thing. But they said, that's too much body horror. <laughs> not, it's too far from what we're doing in this Marvel cinematic. <laughs> the fly universe. meets spider Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrifying. If you, I'll, I'll post links to what the comic looks like. Yeah, it makes sense. And then they also, and I couldn't find any reference to this. It's not a what if comic. And I d- couldn't find it in the Marvel comic series, but they were inspired by Jurassic Park. So they wanted the Avengers yes. as dinosaurs during prehistory that's they're like well this is it now but if you're in a room being like let's have a hundred it's ideas. in the series <laughs> it's, in the, the, it, mm-hmm, it's in this it's in this the last one that i saw was a potential crossover with star wars and they said no we're not doing that <laughs> well we're already doing that. <laughs> so they did have some limits but pretty much as long as it was what people had already seen as far as the characters and and is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The other one that I watched was the Captain America. They switch off um, mm-hmm. posing what if Captain Captain Carter, um, yeah, Peggy, Peggy Carter, Carter, becomes the, the first Avenger. I love the idea, and I love the way that they do it. The one thing that stuck out to me about this, and if, we're, if, we're, if this is a study on reverberations, I felt like her character was too, was too Captain America. <laughs> and you know right i heard that that makes any sense yeah i'm like i i wish she was more her own instead of just like a girl captain america with a british flag on i wish that she was like her mm-hmm. own more her own character and i admit i didn't watch the entire uh swath of episodes yet but i right, right. i actually plan to this is some pretty incredible stuff in terms of like i'm I, i'm i can't i really can't 
wrap my head around all of the Marvel stuff. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm, <laughs> I sure. got to pick and choose even for myself to a degree, but this I can wrap my head around easily. I'm interested in this. I want to see what these thought experiments are, but I hope that they are a little bit more daring in terms of what each character would be if switched into that role instead of keeping all of those things in that role inherent to, you know, is that making mm -hmm. sense instead of it's a little bit too plug and play for me? Well, I know what, what they I was do. feeling, you know, this was actually Chadwick Boseman's last thing he did. Mm. And he plays a version yeah. of T'Challa where he's actually basically Peter Quill from Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. Yeah, he switches so he's with Star-Lord. Yeah, he's much more wisecracking a different version of that character mm -hmm. because of how he was, mm -hmm. how his backstory was changed. Mm -hmm. I know what they are going to be doing as of airing this episode. They haven't released all the episodes, but right. there was a twist in the second to the last episode where people are realizing, oh, my God, maybe even though it is an anthology, maybe the, these are somewhat connected <laughs> because there are situations happening with the Watcher. And that's the whole thing with the Watcher in the comics. Oh, I just observe. I don't interfere. What does that be as <laughs> when does that actually come? <laughs> I loved how the right head writer AC Bradley compared in an interview. She described the watcher as if you ever remember the pizza rat video from 2015 in the subway of New York of this brown rat just carrying a whole slice of pizza down the stairs. <laughs> I'll post a link to it, but kind of that we are the people watching the pizza rat video because you observe, you don't interfere. Also, right. you have no interest in becoming friends with the rat, living amongst the rat, doing rat things. Right. You're just watching it. <laughs> but then when Jeffrey Wright came along, you said he was really embodying this. He was talking about taking his son to watch Marvel movies. Mm. And Ashley said, oh, the watcher is also a dad in a way. Oh, and kind yeah. of the audience also of being like the audience loves these characters and gets invested in them. And if you saw something happen, wouldn't you want to make it right? Right. Because there are also some tragic episodes in here that yeah. they're going to have to rectify or not that they can go a little bit darker because zombies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because they are going to potentially, as you're saying, they probably they already have. Seasons in the works, there are going to be more intertwined than people realize, and they're potentially even going to be more intertwined with the live action stuff. There is potential for it to appear in live action, just as the what if comics made their way into the main comics continuity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unintentionally. There was a whole the spider girl was part of the what if comic series and oh, spawned cool. a whole Earth cool, 982, cool. which is MC2. All that came from a what if comic because it was a what if Peter Parker had a teenage daughter and became Spider-Girl. Spider-Verse has already been swimming up this stream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's interesting how they have primed us with A, crazy galactical stuff with Guardians of the Galaxy, B, Doctor Strange, yeah. interdimensional thing, C, inter into the Spider-Verse, different dimensions. Yes, yes. It all is building to, oh, we can open this up. Spider-Verse was such an interesting uh, turning point. I mean, it's so bold to actually be able to like, present that to a general audience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're, we're so many iterations of that particular character down the line. It's not the only version of, you know, like Batman, we've been doing it for since the inception of the character. Yeah. So to then push it into the animated realm, I think is really the, the equalizer. I think it grounds it. Uh, you can very easily go into wild visual things. Then you don't have to explain away the, the physics, the, the reality 
reality of it. Or a silly um, pig version. Exactly. Is- exactly. <laughs> you don't have to rectify that with like, you know, that's the that's what Space Jam ran into when they were trying mm-hmm. to bring these char- everybody to the same playing field, but keep it real. And there was this uncanny valley struggle. Um, when you stay in the animated realm, it really brings everything to the same ground. So I, yeah. I think that's such a such a smart way to to be rethinking about these things and going down these paths. And I, I've just been waiting for these companies to be this bold uh, to do it with some of these mm-hmm. big properties because. And- Obviously, yeah. we're attached to the characters that we want, and we want to see them this way. This is this is the way to do it, I, for sure. It's interesting you're talking about the animation specifically. Uh, originally, they had thought of doing different styles for each episode for the Marvel mm-hmm. one, but they eventually settled on a unified thing, and then also talking about being a similar style because it has to all tie together. They had to talk to the people doing WandaVision. They had to talk to the people doing Loki. The Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness sequel is coming out. Spider-Man, it's revealed that Otto Octavius, Alfred Molina is in. Yeah, also we're pulling the Rami, the Rami characters back <laughs> into it. Yeah, Ant-Man, the subtitle for that is Quantum Mania is coming out in 2023. So they're really Michael leaning in. Keaton into... is back as Batman in the Flash movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like it's Bananas Man. <laughs> so they're all putting through all that. Here comes the Star Wars one which is its own thing completely, and they're all different styles. It's such a breath of fresh air, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really just like letting the chains off of this uh, universe. Visions is all different, and they all have their own very bold direction. And mm-hmm. instead of coming down to a question of if the, the narrative we already know goes a different way, the Visions stuff is really trying to unearth the deep, bare bare thematics of what makes Star Wars Star Wars and bring that to the surface with new characters really Mm -hmm. fast. It's trying to do it in less than 20 minutes. Most of these are less than 20 minutes. Um, Well, and probably because the animation is so involved. Exactly. That's exactly. So you don't you just don't have you don't have time to waste. There's no fat. There's it just doesn't work that way when you're doing when you're working with this medium. Mm -hmm. And and with that, with each episode having such a distinct flavor it's all so fresh. Uh, it felt like these creators had almost no bounds on them in terms of what they were allowed to do in the Star Wars universe. Uh, yeah, we were watching one uh, called the Twins, where it's have it's two twins having a battle on the side of a starship. And there, there are no helmets or anything, and we're like, can they breathe in space? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. <laughs> we, we just go. It's not important. The story is moving. Keep up. You know. Exactly. Um, it, it just felt so alive in terms of like not being bound whereas as cool as what if is i think and this whole episode is like the only reason we're doing this is because this is like really worthwhile stuff but the difference in what i i think i was more attracted to the star wars stuff is it's not bound by any pre-existing anything that we know mm-hmm. there's no luke skywalker there's no you might see some characters that you recognize but they're generally not the focus and they might not they might not show up at all don't expect it don't go looking for them um <laughs> right. so it's whereas what if is going to show you a lot of the things you know and then take a right turn uh visions is wholly original everything and and really trying to bring some new air into this universe and mm-hmm. it's i think it's <laughs> we've been needing this man uh, what's then, interesting that yeah, i saw from the background of it so the only thing i could see that was maybe loosely based off of there was an art book 
commissioned by George Lucas with diverse pieces of art. Mm. And it was called Star Wars Vision. So that has a flavor. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll post a link to it. The other thing that I could think of is like so much of Star Wars is owed to Japanese media. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Um, It's so easily translated into this medium that that Star Wars is built to live, to be an anime. It's almost Darth Vader's hood is is samurai. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This needs not, no, this needs no explaining. Uh, It's been, it's begging to be an anime. (laughs) (laughs) Because George Lucas directly, it's like the, the, the main one I could find, which maybe you already know, but for our listeners, The Hidden Fortress by Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. It's the two droids being nobodies in a war. That's the same thing with the Hidden Fortress. It's how a civil war might look to some bickering, you know, <laughs> side characters. Also, there's a large slave owner like Jabba the Hutt meandering through the forest like Endor, and even the horizontal wipe transitions mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. are pulled from it. So that yeah, like you said, it goes without saying that. A lot of Japanese media influence through Star Wars only makes sense that then. I watched three episodes, Tatooine Rhapsody, I watched Lop and Ocho, and I watched The Twins. And out of the three, the one that really stood out to me was Lop and Ocho. It's about a a, a bunny girl. I think I'm almost like a like a like a Chewbacca esque a bunny girl uh, who is adopted by a well off family who ends up becoming part of the resistance, uh, or at least the father does. The paternal daughter goes for the empire, and so Lop is kind of stuck in the middle. The the adoptive girl, uh, a bunny girl, it skips seven years. And then again, mm-hmm. it does this within 15 minutes. So this is like really, really concise storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so when it says seven years later, it's like, okay, we have a very good reason for being here. We have a good mm-hmm. reason for skipping seven years. But it comes down to a very, very concise battle about entitlement between these two daughters of the same father and who is actually living up to the ideal that they were raised on. Uh, it's so some people might think it's uh, too on the top. I I just think it's so alive. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's it's, it's, this is down to the essence of what makes Star Wars Star Wars when it's doing everything that it can do. They're trying to dredge that up within 20 minutes uh, with fully new characters, but characters that feel like that they've totally exist in this world. I mean, this this one in particular, I think, was such a, a massive success. I thought it to be the most visually striking out of the three. Um, just confident. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I'm one who appreciates the short form, which is not yes. in high regard these days. But there is something about beginning, middle, end point in 15 minutes, in seven minutes, yes. whatever the case may be, that is not in much demand because of money or continuation of properties or whatever. So it is very nice to see both, you know, pieces of cultural mythology, Star Wars and Marvel superheroes, my God, Mm -hmm. both at the same time, and then be that they're given some creative leeway to not just do a short form thing, but the same what they've already been doing for the most part. Right. It's just, yeah. This stuff is so fresh. (laughs) Well, what you're saying Uh, makes me so free, man. Yeah. What you're saying makes me think of kind of with the two different properties, the fact that Marvel in their timeline, Endgame was a culmination of a lot of stuff, but they already sort of started their new wave of properties and phase 
95 or whatever the heck they're on <laughs> now is already in motion. And so they right. kind of have to play into that with Loki and WandaVision and whatever the heck else they're doing versus right. Star Wars kind of ended. And I don't think people, it got the thunderous applause that Endgame did with their redoing. And so now right. they're coming back in and they've got Mandalorian and they've got the Bad Batch and they've got these other offshooty Star Wars things and they're not right. quite ready to put in on a main thing yet. So I think it does allow them to explore yeah, potentially is what, what what all you're saying made me think. I mean, of. and what an opportunity for these creators. Um, oh, yeah. We're talking about, you know, this is, I'll, I'll just go real quick. Yuki, the director on Lapinocho, they do not have a, you know, when I'm looking at what they've directed, they don't have many credits. Two. This one, the most the most recent, another one in 2020, uh, right. one episode of uh, anime I've never heard of. So let's just stand back and think about the opportunity handed to somebody like this. It's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> and we ought to be doing more of this type of thing in these massive brands and franchises that have the umbrella to house all the talent in the world that wants to pay back to yeah. the to the property that helped make them the artists that they are. What an incredible endeavor to bring in people who would otherwise not get to really put their talents on full display and function uh, at a level and in a property like this. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to yeah. commend them for what they did do. And, and, and I think throughout the Star Wars stuff, you just have a ton of people that... I mean, to be able to bring their talents to this property. Mm -hmm. uh, what an amazing opportunity. Amazing. Well, I, I wanted to suggest one thing because I, literally I didn't think of this for research, but as we yeah. were talking, I was like, oh my God, I, I remember. Because I was trying to look into, as I often do, other things similar to this, you know, specifically yeah. more in the vein of the Star Wars one. And I had this on DVD. Mm. Came out around the time of the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan stuff, but it's called oh. Batman Gotham Knight. Are you right. familiar with this at all? This is ringing a bell. So it's it's a six episode thing, anthology, all Batman stories, six different Japanese studios, varying types of anime styles. The only similarity is that Batman is always voiced by yes. Kevin Conroy. I do remember this. But I everything else, this. I really enjoyed it because it really presented Batman in six different mythological ways. And they That's don't cool. have any connection to each other. I think it came out 2008, right around the same time yes, as The did. Dark Knight. But that's, that's and of course, the Animatrix right. for the Matrix stuff. But this is more closely related to the superhero world, at least. That's a wonderful one. I hadn't thought, yeah. I have not thought about that in, in years. But it, <laughs> I mean, and even it being in, in tandem with The Dark Knight coming out. But it's, yeah. it very much, very much so was. But yeah, I mean, I am for expanding any of these stories down this route. I mean, it, like yeah. I said, it's a, a grounding. It, it, it just makes it easy to go down these paths without having to reconcile the reality of it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you get a chance to, to see uh, both things that you can't get again. You can't make people younger. You know, you, you can mm -hmm. do that. And then you can see things that you've never seen before. You can see, you know. <laughs> the inspiration yeah yeah inspired yeah. stuff yeah yeah that, i'm 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 for it <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're talking about it with not the million other things that they're coming out with but. oh man 
Yep. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us today. Uh, thank you, Taylor. Wonderful, you. as always. Uh, check us out at AlliteratePod on Instagram. Message us. Let us know what you're reading. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know what you're excited that might be coming out soon. You never know. A lot know of good stuff coming out soon. Oh, yeah. It's a stack season. It really is a stack season. So get in touch with us. Let us know what you're excited about. And you never know when we might do an episode on something you want to know all about. Uh, stay safe. Give us a like, give us some stars, and we will see you next week. Bye.